Hey there, I'm Danielle Ackeson, and this is the Silver Lining Live podcast. Everyone has a story to tell. I believe something can be learned from every situation. The Silver Lining Life gives everyone a voice. Real life people and experts share their life. They share how they've overcome tragedy, their victories, and their defining moments. So why is this important? Because it's easy to look at a person and think it's been so easy, quick, or perfect for them. But that is so far from reality. There is work, struggle, and heartbreak. As we will learn, a silver lining life isn't a perfect life. It's about enjoying the life you've been given and even those hard times. So sit back and get ready. It's going to be a fun ride. Hi, everybody. As I say every week, I am super excited for this week's guest. Uh, this week, I have we are starting our Father's Day series. And I am so honored to have Mike Watts here on the podcast. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thank you for having me. So if you don't know Mike, you're totally missing out. He does a phenomenal podcast with his lovely wife, wife Kate Northrup. Uh, it's called The Kate and Mike Show, and they talk business and life, basically everything. It's very funny and endearing and lovely. He's a business consultant, and he is the dad to Penelope and Ruby. And um, I am so excited for him to be our storyteller this week. So uh, welcome, Mike. Share, share, share your story. <laughs> share my story. Well, let's do, you know, I'm just going to spend the next 30 minutes explaining my entire life journey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we just found out that Danielle also lives in Indiana and I grew up in Indiana as well. I was actually born in Wyoming and then moved to Valparaiso, Indiana. So we have the Midwest connections. It's funny. I was just, we were out to lunch um, with my friends yesterday. We went to this it's called the Samoset Resort in Maine, and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, right? We went with Kate, and we went. I have um, a father since Father's Day. Um, I have two daughters that are Penelope is three and a half, and Ruby is just like 13 months. So we decided to go to a hotel. Total disaster. That was not a good idea after we were there for one night. But we're sitting there, and I'm like, I am not this wasp from the East Coast, right? Like, I am like, this is like, makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, what are all these people? Like, it's just like so stuffy. And for those of you living on the East Coast, I'm just like, you know, I like the East Coast. I live in Maine right now, right? So I'm out here, right? But I'm like, I am not this. And, and my our friend that was there was like, no, dude, you're from the Midwest. Like, you don't understand what happens out here on the on the East Coast. And I was like, I got it, right? So we're going to bring it back home in this episode of the podcast. But uh, it's a different world, man. It's a different world. Just like multiple places around the United States. Like the South, I lived in North Carolina and Florida and Arizona, um, spent a lot of time traveling all over the country and every place you go to, it's just, it's a different spot, you know? And so it's cool. It's cool to be there. But yeah, so as I grew up in Indiana and then I moved to all the places that I've just named, um, it's definitely helpful for perspective, I would say. And then also the, I run a business with Kate, as Danielle just mentioned, um, it's Kate Northrup. She's written two books. So what I do is I run the operations of our company, uh, pretty much anything that happens behind the scenes is kind of the place that I fit in. So what our company focuses on helping women to gain more time and energy in their day. And so her recent book called Do Less, which is about a working guide to busy moms, but really this is concepts and topics that can be taken for any woman, depending on where you are in your life cycle. And also the concepts can be applied to men as well. So 
Um, I'm implying them with my own life, but for marketing purposes, right, you got to narrow down who your audience is. You can't say everyone because that would be too big. So that's what we ended up. So Kate and I have been working together for about nine years. Uh, before that, I ran a business and then that's how Kate and I actually met. Um, and so we've had a, we are married in life and with our two children. And then we're also business partners. So it's quite an adventure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. A brief story and overview, but, uh, yeah. So I used to work for Philip Morris down in North Carolina, making cigarettes and decided to do a life transformation and stop doing that. So I come from a manufacturing background and just like we were talking about what your husband does with his tool and die company. So very familiar with that as well. And uh, I have two daughters. I like to be outside. I'm learning this whole like yard care thing since we have a house, um, resisted it for a long time. So now it's turning summer in Maine. We don't really have spring. We just go from cold, cold, cold to hot and then back to cold, which happens today. And then tomorrow will be like hot. So we just mix, we, we skip the whole spring thing in Maine. That's so weird. Like in Indiana, of course, it, it goes back and forth of the hot and the cold. Um, but we do have spring and then it's like right. sweltering hot. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Get a little bit of spring. <laughs> yeah, that's when it's sweltering hot. It's the perfect time to come to Maine. So <laughs> lovely for sure. <laughs> so, so as, as a parent, um, and, and I, Sorry, my, my brain is moving very quickly here and my mouth is not moving as fast. Okay, so as a parent, and I know that you talk about this um, quite a bit on how you, um, you share the role of, of, of parenting where, you know, a long time ago, it was just women who were um, taking on that responsibility. And then I feel like each generation, the men are more involved and, and doing more. But how do you feel like as a dad, it like, do you get enough support? You know, cause I feel like there's so much, um, focus on supporting women. I mean, I even have my own mom group, but, um, but there isn't really much for a dad. So I just wondered what your take was on, <laughs> on all of that. Yeah. I can talk about this for all day if we wanted to <laughs> The it's, it's challenging. I'm not going to like, it is a constant, like there's, there's times where I feel like the entire weight of the man, male gender, right? So we're just going to, um, anyone that identifies as a man, like that is on my shoulders to fix, right? Because I'm, I've been in this world of very heavily women business, right? And so just what women have gone through in their life, um, just what they've experienced with me too, with the movement, what's going on in Indiana right now with like the abortion, what's happening all over this United States with like taking away abor abortion rights, whether you pro-life or pro-choice. I mean, even in my view, even if you are pro-life, you should still believe in pro-choice because it's rights, right? As, as, we, as we take away rights, like so having that ability, that is what I've been, our business has been about for a long time, right? And so I've learned how, suppressions existed, oppression, you know, the patriarchy, all of this stuff. So that is something that I've tried to, I have not tried to, that I've taken and feel like I have to fix for everyone. That is mm -hmm. not realistic expectation, right? It's not realistic. So with the place of, of myself being a dad in this world, like my life being a father of two children is much different than my father when he had my age, Right, I'm 36 years old. So when my dad was 36 years old, I think he had three kids. I don't know if I believe the both. There's three of us in my family. So 
that role, as you said, is adapting and changing. And I feel like it's just balancing out because as women are getting more rights in the world and like equal pay and the whole shebang, right? It's forcing change to take place because the life has to, to be there. So it's even a different aspect in my household because we work together. Like the intensity of family dynamics and Kate and I are both stubborn, right? We're both very driven. And so that adds to more complexity, even in our relationship, being married and running a business together. I mean, I'm refer- I can refer back to this morning in a very intense conversation that we had together about stuff of how we're connecting. So, for, <coughs> excuse me, for me, it's about, it's paying attention to what patterns that actually exist in the family dynamic. So, when we think bigger picture, so right now we're in it like with our kids, and I, I think bigger picture, all the influence that my dad had came from his parents, that came from my, his great his grandparents, his great grandparents. So it's just the lineage of that exists, and then it comes back to my father, and then it trickles down to me. So I'm like, all of that is inside of my DNA, and we know this through epigenetics, et cetera, right? Same thing with Kate in her family history. All of that stuff goes back generations, 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 and then it comes to her. And then her and I try to coexist in a relationship and try to raise two kids at the same time and what that looks like. That has never existed before. So like whatever partnership we're currently in at this moment in time, it's never existed before. So we have to recreate that for ourselves. Now, where does it get challenging? Oh, my mom wants me to come up for the holidays. My dad wants me to do this. Like all of that blah, 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 blah stuff that happens with family, right? It's like, no, like you, we have to do what's the best thing for us in our relationship that's going to be the most successful for us as well as our, like, and that comes first. So that priority comes first. So I always wanted to, like, I just show up, right? And then, so Kate and I have a lot of conversations because there's pre-existing program that happened inside of Kate's dynamic and that happens inside of women as we get into relationships and it happens inside of men as we enter relationships as well. But for myself as a man, like I'm learning these dynamics and, and discovering myself what's happening with my blocks and my current, um, and I'm not afraid to go down that route. So that's what I can say from the, the man's perspective. I feel like there's a lot of fear. Uh, I literally am watching this documentary right now about Williams Racing, which is in the F1 series. I've become obsessed with F1 in the last year. I don't, I'm not sure why, I'm just obsessed with racing. I used to watch Indy 500 all the time, I used to go to the races, like I used to watch NASCAR when I lived in North Carolina, but now it's like F1, I don't know why I'm fascinated by it. But anyway, there, Williams is a race team that goes back like a long time, like 80 years or something. And they're saying like, and there was four races in a row back in the eighties that these drivers died from accidents in the race, right? The cars would just start on flames if they got in a crash, which is super unsafe, right? So the guy was like, we can't express any emotions. You know, it's like, I don't shed a tear. They're his drivers for his race team and they don't express a tear. I'm gonna show my house story for that. But yeah, so they basically, you know, it's like men have we been built to this society of, or this stigma where you go to war and it's the men that go to war and you don't express emotions and then you tear everybody down with you and it's very controlling and you try to dominate and push your way through and it's literally take us, it's like we could just destroy all humanity with this much power, right? It's like, it's very much existed and it has for a long time. But I think now we're at this transition piece where it's like the older generation, I should say the baby boomers, et cetera, you hear a lot, like the younger generation soft. And it's like, no, what is developing has never existed before. 
So you can't say that they're soft or not soft or like they're weak or, you know, cause I'm in the upper estrogen, like I'm in the older of the baby of the um, millennials. Millennials. So like I'm on the upper top level of that, the age wise. So it's just like, you can't, there's none, it hasn't been existed before. So we don't know what the world looks like if there's like somewhat of an equal playing field. And this includes race and gender and the whole survey, right? Everyone has, and there never will be an equal playing for it because they're, that the history of what has existed before, especially the United States with slavery in this country, right? And how this country actually got started. So it's like that, that it's like just trying to somewhat balance it out. So that's what I think about, like, to answer your question. That was, uh, yeah. No, it was really, it was really good. And I think that you made such good points of we've never been in this situation before. So, you know, it's navigating what even that looks like. Um, it's yeah. just totally different. And, um, you know, we've learned that it's so much healthier for men to express those emotions instead of just stuffing them down <laughs> and never seeing, seeing the light of day. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's considered weakness, like expressing emotions is weakness. You get made fun of by your friends, your buddies. I mean, it was like five years, six, seven years ago that one of the MLB players from the professional baseball league took two days off after his newborn baby was born. And like all the news anchors made fun of him. You know, I will never, I think I was in college actually. So I will never forget that. I'm like, who cares, dude? Like he's got a new kid. Like the wife just gave birth. That's a pretty serious thing. Like, what did you do? You stood there and watched, you know, or like help the woman. But it's just like, no, I'm not downplaying any men in the delivery room, right? But it's just kind of making fun of it at the same time. But it's like, that is a real deal. So it's like actually getting in check with reality of what's going on. That there is humanity here. There is feelings. There is emotions that we go through. This whole concept of manning up and becoming a stronger man and like, it's like you throw like a girl, like all of these terms that have been used for a long time. It's not sometimes intensity, masculine, very masculine energy is very beneficial, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes having very feminine energy, understanding that, bring that in is very, very beneficial. That was not, that is something I've had to teach myself. And it's also had to come through as Kate in our relationship because it's also in partnership that this exists as well, where if I'm expressing my emotions, her initial thing was like, she's going to shut down and be like, what's going on here? Why are you? And she would cut me off or not believe me or things like this. And we've talked about this publicly on our podcast. So it's, um, you know, it's also for her being comfortable having to do to express the emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, we have three little boys. So they are um, six, four and almost two. And that's one thing that I'm always so careful of, of like, stop crying, you know, you shouldn't be crying and, and things like that. It's like, no, it's okay. It's okay to be sad. And our little boy, he just finished preschool and he was so sad about it. And even, even my husband's like, it's okay to be sad. It's all right. And, and I was just so proud of my husband for not being like, stop your, you know, cause I, I'm sure the age cause he's 34 or 33. Mm -hmm. He's going to kill me. I have no idea how old he is. Um, <laughs> Um, but, um, I just aged him or made him younger. I'm not really sure. Anyways, it's all, it's um, it doesn't matter. Um, but, um, but his, the age that he is when he was growing up, I'm sure that that was the focus of like, yeah. nope, you, we don't do this. We're boy, you know, you're men, we are not, we're not going to cry and not saying that his parents did that, but just, you know, out on the baseball field or whatever, I'm sure that those emotions weren't allowed. And so I was just so happy. It was like, oh, 
thank God, you know, that he, he's allowing yeah. them to have those feelings. No, boys are actually, there's been studies done on this and I can't, I wish I could reference these studies right now. It's like books I read or something. I should probably write these down and then I could actually seem really smart. Um, be like, I am referencing this study from, you know, this one. Anyway, the, it's men and boys actually are far more emotions. They carry that so much more on their, and I'm, I notice this with, with boys now where it's like even separation going to daycare and we drop our girls off, they just run away. You know, they're just like literally running to daycare. And a lot of the boys will stick to their mothers. It's like the attachment between their mothers. And what I'm noticing is that this lasts longer. And what happens is, is it gets destroyed very early on. And I'm re- I read this book about, uh, I'm trying to look for it in my, I think I took it at home, but it's about the, it's, a, it's about black, um, boys and like the destruction that happens to them and it's around fourth grade that they will shift from being kind of real emotional beings to being very hardcore based off their environment that they're growing into and it, it, it's real it's a real deal like there is the the i see i see far more like this is destruction within young boys like playing with penelope like knocking things over the energy like running into walls like the whole shebang and then penelope and ruby will just sit there and watch them and be like what are you guys doing like hello you know just loud and the whole show it's just like there's a lot of destruction that takes place i'm sure you realize this in your house but like yeah. there's the just the difference of the of the gender that they're you know it's like early on you can see it but that's what we're they're starting to realize is like that is also squashed in, in men very early on as well yeah, that makes sense. And for sure, I have noticed that with our boys, because um, I, I have two sisters and a, and a brother. So we, of course, didn't allow him <laughs> to, to be as rambunctious as, as my sons are. And like, we go places and I'm always like, oh God, and they're really well behaved, but they're loud and they're busy and they're moving all over the place, you know, and my mother-in-law texted me and, and my son uh, has fallen. He's, he's two, almost two. And he's got like this huge goose egg. She's like, I honestly have no idea how it, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, it, yeah. it happens. It's normal. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you, you reference um, Penelope and, and Ruby and with your business, I feel like you guys are very open. So how did you decide how much you would share of your girls kind of with the outside world? We haven't figured that out yet. We're, like we're not manipulating the situation, right? So I just kind of share my life as a dad with them on social media, let's say. There will be a point, and it's probably coming soon, that it'll sl- it'll stop, you know, just because of, I mean, I haven't talked to Katie about this. There's just internal thoughts going on. Like there is, I know there's customers right now and there are, there's people online that have massive followings by manipulating like the use of their young children to um, put them online, right? There's a there's this one thing, I'm not gonna say any names, but it just, it gives me the like gross feeling. Like when I'm yeah. watching this, be like you're leveraging your children for your own success. And so that is definitely I'm something I'm very aware of to make sure that that does not happen or enter our business. Because mm-hmm. it's not their business, it's not their choice. Right. Like I won't if 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 I like am chatting with because the thing is what on Instagram, let's say, and I post a story of Penelope and I, if she says I don't want to be recorded, I don't post it. Right. Like right. the other day she was doing something and I'm like, I'm not gonna post this. Like that's why you can not everything that everything is filtered, right? That goes that's published. So it's the the place for us is is as we are evolving, it's a conversation we're continually having. 
But I'm not that, like, there is a concern that it's not their choice, right? It's not something that I'm, like, for Ruby, if we're just having fun, then I'll do stuff like that. But from a public standpoint, now, us as our parenting journey, I'm very open to share that forever, right? It's just like what I'm going through, what's happening here but with my kids. But I'm also not concerned because the direction the world's moving with technology, we are already videotaped a ton. Off right. Our cameras, our phones, as we walk around in your cities, like there's cameras everywhere. And at, it's only going to get more intrusive, right? And so the more, and so I'm not that, it's just going to, like that's where we're going. And like with artificial intelligence coming out and facial recognition and like your phones and all of this stuff, like it's all, all the data is being sold and people are taking over it. Like we don't really have private. That's why it's so important to advocate for these privacy things and not mandatory, you know, like stuff is trying to be passed via just like healthcare situations and all of this stuff is to have that because it's like once it's taken away, it's really hard to get back. So even being advocating for our rights around this as well. So I want to make sure that they are able to be private and live in that world as well. But I also know they're growing up in a technology world. Think the iPhone came out almost 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's changed so much. I was 25, right? And so like how much has changed in 10 years and what is going to change in the next 10 years? So yeah, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to use, if it doesn't feel good to me when it comes to our kids, we just don't do it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I like to ask that question. I, I've been in a, a lot of like um, business coaching and things like that. And I've had people and they didn't have kids, but they were like, well, yeah, just share, share everything. And then like people were chiming in that, oh, I get more likes on Instagram when I, when I put my kids out there. And I was just like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Like, no. oh, oh, don't do that. Um, and and I am, I try to be careful of what I do share about my kids because they don't have that permission to like, for me to share the story about this or that. Um, you know, I don't want them to ever be like, Oh my God, my mom put this out on Instagram. Like, I can't believe this. So I try and be cognizant of that. So I always like to ask that question because I, I never yeah. feel like you and Kate are icky with your girls at all. And even what no. you share, I, I feel like you guys are very open, but it's not too, you know, <laughs> right. Women they're, they're, get it far worse than like, it's women get it far worse than men do at and so many levels. Right. But like I could post the same picture as Kate and like the hate will come out for what she posts, you know, or something. It's just like dumb, but nobody's going to, they don't have the same thing where they're going to, it's because it's just like people come out of the woodwork to the negative comment about stuff. They won't do it to dudes. Like they just, they, it's like this thing that they, I don't know why. Like, I'm not sure there's some sure somebody listening to here can explain it to me from a psychological perspective or societal perspective. But yeah, I just, it's the, the amount of hate or um, trolling, like it's 10 times worse for women than mm-hmm. anything, you know? So it's like, which right is now, crazy. Whole, whole, yes, it is. Well, it, it is. It's like the whole vaccine thing that's going around the measles, right? I am all about, I think mandatory vaccines are very dangerous because I also know like the FDA and the funding and like big pharma and how that all gets funded and how the FDA survives is because of funding from drug companies. Right. And so when you follow the money of all these things, so getting mandatory, forcing mandatory vaccines on, on babies is a very dangerous thing because we also know what long-term effects of all these things are. So there is a, right. There's a choice thing, right. That comes with it. And so now there's research coming out that the vaccines are actually not helpful and they're causing damage and then the kids getting the vaccines have it. So 
I can post that. And like one person writes to me and it's like, oh yeah, this. Because it's not, to me, I'm not like saying anti-vaccine or for vaccines. It's just like, read up people, like knowledge, right? Knowledge mm-hmm. is powerful. So it's just pay attention to what's actually taking place. But if Kate posts that, like people just like 10,000 comments, <laughs> you're a bad mother, you're the worst person on the planet, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, holy smokes. And like, she's just like, I don't, I'm not going to participate, right? So you choose the angle of controversy that you want to get involved in. And it's the same when it comes to kind of with our kids situation. Yeah. yeah which, which is kind of sad because then it is muting um, even your beliefs or, or your thoughts on things because it's like, I don't want to be involved in what everyone is going to say, and yes. which, is, which is really sad, but also makes a lot of sense of like choosing your, your own path. Um, I do want to ask a little bit about um, do less because I, I, um, I'm working my way through the book, um, you know, by the, the sections. And I love that Kate always inc- has included in her book so much scientific research behind it. Um, it's not just a, a book that is like uh, um, fluff, like it's, it's real, it's a, applicable to your lives. And so I was just wondering from the, the male perspective, um, or even a dad, um, what has been the most beneficial for you to incorporate into your life and how you work? So during this research of uh, that Kate was putting in the book, we discovered, we interviewed somebody by the name of Lisa BT. Um, she wrote a book called Woman Code. And she was on our podcast and she runs a company called Flow Living. Um, she, that the woman cycles every 28 days, right? You have a period and it's like, this is the cycle you're going through. This is different phases. And Kate has this laid on side of do less. There's different phases in that period of 28 days, like seasons of the world. So winter, summer, spring, and fall. And with men, it happens every 24 hours. So it's much different. And the world has been created as the man's world. So we've created society to set up to operate off the man's world, not the women's cycle, right? And so that has been very helpful for me to realize, like, what is makes me tick. What also happened during this time, I got really sick. And I got sick in 2018. And I had this full body skin rash that is also known as, like, the red skin syndrome. Um, it's a much longer story. We could do all I could tell you all, we spent an hour of all the learnings that I went through from there. But the biggest thing that happened during that time for me was to start really paying attention to what's going on inside of myself. And I have been for a while, but this elevated it to another level. If you've ever known anybody that's got sick and is open to fixing their illness or their disease and wanting to improve, like, and being conscious about it, right? That's the key is you got to be like conscious about it. That's why these people that recover from cancer or heart disease through things, right? There's things that happen, um, not necessarily through the medical system, but there you hear these other things, like I overcame my cancer by changing my food and meditation and my mindset, all these things, right? So that has that can happen. We don't have to get sick to understand those as well. But during this time for myself is realize what I was driven for. So I was really caught up when you, especially now within social media, it's even worse because you can see what everyone else has, right? I remember during our trip um, on our honeymoon, we went to this island called Koh Samui. It's in um, Thailand. It's gorgeous, right? Like five-star resort and the whole shebang. And you look out and you wake up and there's like one of those private pools in your room and you just wake up and you just walk out of bed and walk into the pool and then you can go down to the ocean and or the 
if, yeah, the Indian Ocean. And you just walk, and you just like in totally luxurious. And one of the women that was there, she just moved back after being in LA for 10 years. And she, I go, well, how do you like being back here? She's originally from this, from Thailand. And she goes, I don't like it at all. And I was like, what? Like, this is gorgeous. Like, I came here on my honeymoon. You're like, you don't like this. And she's like, because I can see what else is out there. Because when I'm stuck on this small island, you don't see very much. But when I'm in LA, I can see the opportunity that exists. And I was like, wow, okay. There we go. I, now it makes sense. Because I leave here and I go back home and we live in the United States with it's very abundant. So during this time when I was sick, I had to realize like what was the most important factor. And for me, like it took me three and a half years. I was reading Andre Agassi's book recently and he talked about it. It's like his number one role is now being a father. And I was like, oh, that's why I've like had such a hard time in the last three and a half years because like, oh, like I'm active in my daughter's lives and I want to be an active father. So it's like, oh, if I put fatherhood first and everything else second, it all kind of falls into place. So that transition from with the do less, it's like when I got sick, I had to force me to slow down and it forced me to actually do less within what we're capable of. And do I do know like when our girls go to school, they're going to get older, they're going to be gone five days a week, you know, at whatever they end up doing, et cetera. And my life's going to change. But at least now when they're young, as long as I can, like I can, if I can spend as much time as possible with them, that's great. Because I also think about death a lot. So this goes into the do less mode. This isn't in Kate's book, right? I just highly recommend go get Kate a copy of Kate's book, do less. And it's so good. Yeah. Thank you. And, but like when I think about death a lot, I'm like, okay, if I die tomorrow or today or five minutes after this podcast is over, like, did I, did I fulfill kind of my life up to this point? And if the answer is I work 70, 80 hours a week and I never saw my kids for the past three years, the answer is no. Right. But if I know I got to take the girls to daycare, we woke up this morning, even though it was hard to get Penelope to get dressed, like the whole thing is challenging, like in those incremental moments that are like so intense, like just put some freaking pants on girl, let's put it out the door. Right. Like, dad, I got to choose the best pants for me. You know, it's like, and so that drives me insane. But it's like, at least I know, like there was a connection that took place. And like this morning we all had a family hug because I was giving Kate a hug and Penelope came over and then Ruby crawled over and was hugging our legs. And, you know, like that is the memory that I can die with, for instance, let's say. And I also know like work is not everything. So Brene Brown taught, she did a talk where she talks about women are driven by connection, men are driven by achievement. So this is the biggest thing that I've learned from men in this world, right? It's like, and that's my 100%. When I was so sick, I couldn't get out of bed. Is I would sit in bed, my skin was falling off. I was in. I can send you a picture at this if you want to put this in your show notes so people can see. Because when they see the picture, it's much different. It's like my entire body looked like the worst sunburn that's ever existed, and it's just literally my skin flaked off for about three months. And so as I'm there, and that's all I could do. And so I would go to bed each night, and and, and I'd be like, man, if I could just do one more thing tomorrow, like I'm feeling better. And that one thing was just like unloading and loading the dishwasher. Right. And Kate one night was like, why don't you go by how you feel instead of what you can get done? And I was like, Oh, what the, f- what that mean? You know, I'm like, okay. So then I started thinking to myself, like from the do less perspective, how do I feel today? How did I feel at the end of the day? Was this a successful day? You know, and um, did it feel successful? Do I feel happy with what took place today? And I started asking myself those questions instead of how much can I actually get done? 
So like a lot's happened during this because, because Kate and I work so close together, we had to streamline, we call it now streamline to amplify. So we're streamlining our company to, because there's also these cycles called contractions and expansions, the same with birth, right? It's like you think you're not doing much. And Kate talked about this at a recent talk that we just gave, like when you're contracting in birth, you're like, it's you contract and then you're expanding, right? Is every contraction is expansion as well, right? But during the process of life, we started looking at the past nine years that we've been together, and we started we started seeing if there's a pattern about what's a contraction year, what's an expansion year. And like when we first had our first kid, like we definitely were contracting. This year, we so far it's been a contraction year, but it's giving birth to that expansion because as we're in contractions, we're contracting each the. What, I don't know what the how you navigate the birth canal, but the birth canal is expanding, right? Like I don't know what the proper term is there, but I can't believe it's okay. About birth yeah. So it's <laughs> just like it's like as you're contracting, you're expanding at the same time. So as so we started looking at this for our year, and it's very powerful and for stuff to be like, oh, we have two expansion years and then a contraction year, because a lot of times we go through life, we just start beating ourselves up about everything. We're like, I can't get this done, I can't do that thing. If, if I know, like, oh man, this is totally a contraction year, it's gonna get better. We're going to come out of this. Like the United States itself right now is in massive contraction. Like and it has been for a year to two years and it's going to continue. This is not going to get better tomorrow, right? It will continue because we have a lot of issues that need to be fixed. And so we're contracting huge and we're setting ourselves up for hopefully some type of an expansion or we're just you know, going to blow ourselves up or something. <laughs> hopefully you know, not. Leave it on a positive note there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I. Uh I had like a million more questions, but we are to the top of our time and I want to um, be mindful of your time. So I'm going to ask my last two questions. Uh, the first one is if you could go um, back to a younger version of yourself um, and give advice and encouragement, what would that be? And I'll let you decide uh, what age or, or where you would be in life um, for that um, encouragement. Yeah, I would, you know, I'll preface it by talking like in my early 20s uh, or so, but I know I wouldn't listen to myself during that time, probably, right? So this was during a time where I actually had a lot, of, I did a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs. And it, this went on for a period of 12 years from the time I was 16 to the time I was 28. I became very experiential and really dabbled in a lot of things. Risk has never been an issue for me. Um, too much risk is probably where I have been on the side of. And so I just look at myself and realize like how much pain I was really in that I needed to express. And I didn't know what to do with it. Right. We talked at the beginning of this call about like men and how do you do that? I feel like there's a lot of pain that men have gone through in trauma via their fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, friends, family, sports, coaches, like the list can go on, right? People inside of our life. And just like what with the me with me too, and everyone sharing their sexual abuse story or just abuse story or all the stuff that has come out in the past few years, how much trauma women have gone through, men have gone through trauma as well, right? And so it's having a safe place for that to come out. I took to the bottle and not necessarily just one bottle, right? There was a variety of, of just drinking and partying and drugs and like that was my life right? Getting in touch with like my feelings or who I was, that was not a reality. So like at that time, it would have been helpful just to like the advice of just like what's going on, 
like what's really going on with you? Like, how are things doing? What's up? What are you nervous about? What are you scared about? Like, what's really, cause I was in college during this time, like, you know, and just really like thinking that the net and like who to talk to, who, who to really dive deep in. Cause it was all about achievement. And so for me, it was just like getting through school, getting onto the job, making six figures a year, you know, becoming the CEO of a company, running it, making millions of dollars a year, having the, the, Bentley and the house and all the shebang. So um, very materialistic driven. So for me, it's like really looking and being okay to look at my stuff and to make sure to know that I wasn't damaged or, you know, I'm not a damaged man or a damaged human being during that time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Okay. And the last question is if you're in a funk and nothing horrific, but just a funk, how do you shift that? Or what do you do in those times? Um, I really, there's a couple things like, uh, when I work, it's 50 minutes on 10 minutes off. So that helps me stay out of funks a lot. But I would say when I'm in a funk, it's, it's reaching out for help to people that I need help with, whether it's my therapist, because growing up in Indiana, I didn't know that therapy existed. It wasn't a thing. Right when I moved to the East Coast, it was like everybody had a therapist. And I was like, what is this thing? I don't understand. <laughs> right? It's like you go to New York City and everybody's got a therapist in New York City. Um, and it was like, I didn't know what that is. But now I know that's an avenue for support for me and realizing that I can get helpful. Like today, I was kind of in a funk this morning. I just texted a buddy. I'm like, I'm going to be here in 20 minutes. Can you meet me? You know, or called my buddy that lives in Milwaukee and was like, dude, this is going on, et cetera. And it's just having people in your side because the one thing that i've realized is like the the suicide rate around men in their 50s is drastically increasing and it's really alarming right just like teenage teenage girls it's very high it's continually going up because of social directly linked to social media and phones so with men it's much different right it's feeling alone it's feeling you're retired what do i do next what's greater than my life and like so many men use their wives or women partners or their partners in general as their social activity or their therapists. It's not healthy. So for me, it has been like recognizing that like I need help or I need to talk to somebody or just like, yeah. So that's been helpful. That's number one. Number two is to pay attention as we talked about and do less. What I've realized, especially since I was sick, is paying attention to what the ticks are inside of my system. So everything that's happening in my body on a daily basis, what is taking place and what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And like, if I eat this certain food and I feel like shit, like it's just, it's like noticing that to make sure I don't do that again. Right. If I'm drinking like yesterday on the way home, I had a kombucha in the car with Kate and realized like I'm driving and I'm feeling like a little kind of spacey. I'm like, this is not a good idea, you know? And so I like just stopped. Right. And so it was these type of things to realize like my body is the healing mechanism that I need in my life. And it's, it's whether or not I pay attention to it is whether or not I'm going to heal. And so for that is the biggest piece for me is to, is to do that. And also be grateful. It's like being grateful for the thing, being grateful I'm alive. It's a rare opportunity, right. To be alive as a human. It's being grateful that I have two considerably healthy kids uh, you know, our marriage is considerably healthy for us. And so it's like we have a business that is able to put food on our table. We're creating something that is literally putting food on our table for ourselves. 
Um, and it's just thinking like, I'm grateful to my friends, I'm grateful I'm surrounded by books and knowledge and people, like grateful for you, be for reaching out and just like, can I interview you? I'm like, sure, that's awesome. You know, like anybody ever reaches out for the most part, my schedule is busy, but I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I'm just like, yes. And so it's, I'm just grateful for that experience in life. And that is what I'm trying to lead with. And that is, instead of thinking the glass, glass is half empty, it's about the glass is three quarters of the way full. That's, I heard Eddie Izzard, he, uh, comedian, and he talked about that. He thinks of the glasses is two thirds of the way full. Not half full, it's two thirds of the way. It goes back into the expansion contraction that we talked about earlier. He's just like, it's two thirds expanding and one third contracting. So for me, that's the biggest piece for, is I, if I notice um, I'm a little off, like there's probably a triggering thing happening or I'm you know, discovered by something. And realizing like we're all in, this kind of goes back to your previous question. It's just popped in my head, so I'll just say it. But like my experience of when I was 20s and my experience today is much different than Danielle's experience. It's much different than any listener's experience that's here. And to realize like everybody's going through their own stuff and it's to have compassion and empathy for what people are going through and just realizing like your kid might not have slept the other day and you go into your gig at work and your boss is on your butt and you're just like, shut up. I just want to sleep. And to realize like, Oh, somebody's struggling, right? There's a difference of like just understanding what people are going through. And for me, that's just like been very helpful in the last few years to just chill the hell out. And it's just like, calm down. Like people are going through their stuff and they got to experience it. Like a lot of the stuff that's happening from a political standpoint and news, all this thing, you're just not understanding the other person's perspective. You yeah. know, just not opening yourselves up to what other people are actually going through. It's thinking that our way is the right way. There's no other way about that. So for me, that's been very helpful. It's like, and also be like, there is a lot worse situations that I could be in right now than I'm in. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, being grateful. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I really loved when you started that, that you said that you're proactive and you're like, I, I'll work for 50 minutes and then I'm off for 10 because I know that that helps me kind of stay <laughs> where, where I need to. I think that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate this. And um, yeah, go and check out um, Mike Watson for sure. Um, listen to the um, Kate and Mike show. It's so good. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, I hope you loved that episode. If you did, please rate, subscribe, and share with anyone you feel needed to hear that message. Also, please find me on social media at The Silver Lining Life because I would love to hear your favorite takeaways from today's episode. Can't wait to hear from you soon. Thanks for being here. Bye.